On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song from 7 to Y. And tonight we are discussing the last P song that there is. But it, it doesn't it, it doesn't sound like it starts with a P, but it, it, it's about about movies that make you want to go pee. Um, I, I don't know how else to intro that. <laughs> I don't know where you're going run, with this. Run, 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 run away. I want to run away. Are you trying to psych us out? I think that metaphor ran away from me. You run away. Make it turn and stay. You run away of that intro. So tonight we are discussing the deep dive cover by bare naked ladies of psycho killer originally that's yeah, a very deep cut originally written by david byrne chris franz and tina weymouth and it debuted in 1977 on their debut album talking heads 77 but it was first performed in 1974 by the artistics when talking heads was still known as the artistics oh okay this is their first song this is its first song they wrote it at RISD. what yep i'm learning all kinds of things already yeah yeah and it could have been japanese but it ended up being French. <laughs> Psycho killer. Nani. That doesn't have the same ring. No. Doesn't quite. No, but uh, apparently the originally idea was I love it. they were going to bring in a Japanese student and they didn't. She freaked out when they wanted her to do some murderous lyrics. And so they went with a French student. <laughs> Well, and they went with French because Tina Weymouth's mother... Tina spoke French. Yeah, well, and her mother spoke French in right. the home. Like, that was all they spoke at home. And so then uh, Dave uh, Byrne went to Tina and said, will you will you write these set of lyrics or write up something to say Which is funny because Casca Say is a, is a normal... Like, you learn that in seventh grade French, but... <laughs> But it works. That does. Um, it it was originally written as a ballad, and then definitely later on became something that is not a ballad in, in the I'm least. Trying to con- conceive of that actually, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have liked it as a ballad. It it wouldn't have for me fit. Um, but I had no idea right. that it has been covered so many times though like oh, it's probably I, one of the most covered songs ever yeah i had no idea i was familiar with 
the original version, of course, and BNL's version, but I had no idea the level of coverage this song has had. Now, granted, these from mostly very unknown <laughs> bands, but still pretty cool. And any recognizable names? I don't have a list. Uh, Velvet Revolver is like the Ooh, yeah. Bobs because I NK. Um, but that it, I'm not, I don't know very many of the rest. And it, There's some, but it makes sense because like, Cowboys on Dope. Not sure who they are. Prozac for lovers. Not sure about that. Purple sex heads. I got to get me into some purple sex heads. Um, <laughs> but, that sounds uh, very. That sounds very intense. Yeah. No. Uh, Napoleon Mozart and Sander Donkers. Don't know. Rhinoceros. 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 Ah. Uh, you realize that you just gave me a ton of homework to try to go and find all those versions on. Well, Do you have the list? I'm a big fan of Cage the Elephant, so you definitely got to look that one up. I can't seem to face up to the fact I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax I can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real life wire Psycho killer, catch I do dig Cage the Elephant. I just sent a list of the versions. (laughs) And some of them are there. Some of them you can play. Um, Not all of them, but most of them actually have a link so you can play it. Well, that's good. So there you go. Now you don't have to do as much. That makes sense, though, because this song was listed as one of the most influential. I can't remember if it was top 100 or top 50 most influential songs on American music. So it makes sense that people would cover it a lot. It's pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. yeah. And it's a fairly easy song to play. Theoretically, it's only a few chords. Um, I Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that Talking Heads released an album called The Name of This Band is Talking Heads. <laughs> uh, and that album is absolutely phenomenal. It's their live, it's what they played at yeah, live. The live album. Well, what I love, it, it really is. And I, yeah. I've loved The Talking Heads forever. And it was also oh, to yeah. me that they were, they were just like a performance art band. And then, especially with MTV, I don't think that they would have become what they were 
No, the whole new wave thing. Because MTV, like because in 1991, they were pulling from UK bands and indie bands and because they were the ones making performance art videos like Devo and and Talking Heads and um, trying to think of the one that had the weird chainsaws and they they had the video where they were breaking a piano and they had this psycho little girl that looked crazy and it was very bizarre. Hmm. I'm going to have to look for it, but it was one of the early, um, early MTV launches. And, and I think that there became such a huge appreciation for David Byrne and the eccentric oh, yeah. of this band because of MTV. Yeah. Um, it could have just been another weird, like, eccentric band like i think diva would have been similar to that and we would not have the brilliance of mark mothersbaugh that we have today but still some pretty cool stuff sorry oh definitely and and people were arguing online is this punk no it's not punk it's it's not new wave i think you put it best in that it's a performance band in that the the performance is a good piece of what this is matter of fact i'm i'm really interested in the fact that BNL didn't do this very often in concert because I would have thought this would have been right up Kevin's alley since he came from the look people, which is, I mean, you can't watch the look people and not think that they weren't influenced by David Byrne in some way. Well, to be fair, I think most bands that are really at the cutting edge of whatever movement they become associated with reject the term. Um, You know, like most of the Seattle alternative rock bands hated the term grunge um steve reich I, I think and certainly philip glass don't care for being called minimalists right um, right you know it's, <laughs> so i think new wave is kind of one of those catch-all genres like alternative like what is alternative you know alternative right. to what you know so it's like <laughs> I, I i would call them new wave but only out of um expediency you know I, yeah i think there's a lot more to them than a, than a two-word label definitely oh yeah Thanks for listening to our Talking Heads podcasts. <laughs> I could Bye. talk about Talking Heads all night. Oh, ironically, or 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 not. <laughs> it was the art of noise. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, yeah that's a pretty you weird experiment. Crazy stuff. video, yeah, and there was like a right. little girl, and her hair was all weird. <laughs> it was just totally weird, and they were like smashing a piano in the like. It was totally bizarre. MTV used to be really edgy oh and like gosh. transgressive and yeah, like they played, I remember watching Aphex twin videos back in the day on there and those were really weird and, and out there, you know? Well, speaking of weird and out there, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this, this was talking heads first single. Yeah. They like, this is how they come out the gate is singing a song about a psycho killer <laughs> in a very, unorthodox type of music that that I don't think was really around very much. Um, And I don't know, did you guys have a chance to listen to the B side, which was the acoustic version of the song? I, the link that you sent the acoustic version was talking heads. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I wanted to make sure. Yes, I did listen to it and I I really enjoyed it. It's very different because they have an actual live cello in it. And like that was the original go. That was originally what they were going to go with for this song. Uh, Oh, I see. And then they decided to, to change it. Um, and, and got, you know, they got persuaded to, to do the version without the cellos. 
Um, which I think was a good choice because honestly, for me, like if I had first come to this song with the cellos in the background, which give a very eerie feel to it, I will put a sample of it in right here. I can't seem to face up to the fact I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax I can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real life wire Um, but it gives a very a, a striking moment to the to certain chords in certain moments in this song. I think it would have it would have drawn me off. Now that I know the song, I like it that much more having those extra yeah. accentuated pieces in. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. I, I I rather like it, but like you, I'm so used to hearing the original, which was more of a thumping. Yeah, with that know, open like, bass line. Boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just such a sick driving opener. But it takes guts to have this be your opening song, and like it's really, it got to number ninety-two. It was the only song on this album that actually hit the top one hundred. Hmm. I can't believe it's this old. Like, wow. Oh, I know, I know. Because you think of, like, 1974 <laughs> through... Uh, it's 45 years old. 92, the, um, the kind of music that was out at that point, this is so divergent from the late disco period. Yeah, it does not sound... That heavy metal. Like, you only all. had... You had a few really prominent genres, and this doesn't fit the mold of any of them. No. So, really interesting. And I, I really always believed David Byrne was ahead of his time, and maybe a little... Oh, yeah. He was too intelligent of a writer. Like, he just... Some of his just crazy ahead of his time. Yeah. But a well, would you guys I think like still you? stands the test. Like, I, I really do. Oh, I definitely agree. Like, there are people that were talking about this song this week, and they were like, this is amazing. And they were, brand they like, they were young millennials. These were 15, 16-year-olds getting on, on song meetings and YouTube and being like, this song is amazing. I've never heard this before. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that speaks a lot to the fact that 45 years later, this can gain new followers. Yeah. Uh, just really interesting. Really interesting. Would you guys like to give us a breakdown of the music? If this one was a interesting <laughs> one because <laughs> yes, it was. Um, once again, this does not fulfill like a traditional anything um and what and then i can talk about what bnl did because they then kicked it yeah. to a different level um because originally it really it don't follow what you find online it is not yeah yeah D major it is not in d major <laughs> No, it's like a minor to G minor. It like it's more a minor based, but it it's doesn't have like a five yeah. one progression. 
in fact, even the chorus goes from like F to G to A minor, yeah. F to G to C at nine. So it's really, you can't just peg it down to a traditional chordal harmonic analysis, um, similar to last week's Hell. Um, when Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> redid it, they did something even more interesting. So, yes, agreed. Uh, they down tuned so all of the strings. They did. So it's not just a drop detuning. Every string on the guitar, they drop a whole step. So you can't, because then an A minor chord played when every note is dropped down is not A minor anymore. No, it's now A flat minor or G sharp minor. Exactly. <laughs> so it's very, very weird. Like, yeah, it's, and go ahead. It, it hurt my brain. And so I dropped down all of the, the, the strings on my guitar so that I could... Yeah check it and play it with the recording and it matched up. So I was like, okay, we're good. But it's, yeah, it, it, it looks like an A minor chord because you're playing an A minor chord, but it's not an A minor chord. So, so yeah, I, I traditional wisdom holds that the original song is in A minor. Yeah. And but if um, you pull up song BPM online, the re they have it three or Oh yeah, D major, yeah. and I'm like, well, that's wrong. No. So once again, we have close. somebody sniffing glue that's just putting stuff online. But well, an idiot is going to get on there and go, oh, okay, well, it's in D major. It's not even close to D major. If you listen to, it, you're no. going to go, you're smoking crack. Like what? <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> so, I I I have a few thoughts on this. Please, um, because they hurt my brain. So, first of all, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna gesture vaguely towards 114 beats per minute because it definitely it's all over the map it's very loosey-goosey yes. they get excited and they speed up and you know, it's very much like young musicians having fun and that you can get that that's one of the things that i do like about it but that's just an approximation um yes the original cycle killer is widely regarded to have been in a minor uh which is a wonderful key to play in uh, as a pianist or a keyboard player mm -hmm. For some reason, the ladies decided to go a half step down and record this in A flat minor, uh, well, or, or G sharp minor. But uh, even then, I, I'm actually kind of wondering. It, it might almost be like an E Lydian kind of situation, you know, because it's got could be. So what that it, means, got, friends. Like, <laughs> is it's just, for anybody that doesn't know Lydian is a mode which um why is your finger on your head oh. um, <laughs> um e Lydian so where um um it starts on the fourth degree of the scale am I right yeah I think so yeah because yeah. low brain is seventh yeah. so that's I don't particularly like do you did you have an anagram for memorizing the mode order? No, do you have one? Yes. I would love it. I don't I know Ionian, Dorian, like Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, right? Yeah, I don't particularly like music. Oh my gosh, I had it and I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have this, we have all kinds of these things, but it starts on the fourth degree of a so that means E Lydian would be um, based on the, let's see. I don't know. 
It's actually like based F? around no wait B B um, yeah B C yeah B Lydian B which, it would be based on the B major yeah which makes sense so because when you when they land on the B in the song it does sound yeah it does sound like it's resolving on the B yeah it's almost like it's almost like the tonal center of the song is not implied you would think it would be like six seven one for that chorus right. But it actually feels more restful when they go to the to the. Uh, and for folks that are too, like B major, the B major scale is five sharps in it, F, yeah. C, G, D, and A. Um, yeah, and so instead of starting a scale on B and ending on B and having those five sharps, then the Lydian mode starts on E, B, C, D, E, the fourth degree of the scale, and you just would have. E, F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, D sharp, E. So it has the five sharps, but it starts and ends differently. So it doesn't sound like right. a, a, a right. scale. So that, for those of you that yeah. are not theory people, <laughs> that is what Aaron and I, who are musically trained, are trying to figure out. So yeah. when you don't have a scale to base it on, and it's not really yeah. like in that, <laughs> that soundscape, then you have to start looking at possible modes. <laughs> but I think more than anything, I mean, even even E Lydian doesn't quite work. So whatever it is, they're borrowing, and you know, what right. I mean, which is not surprising for Talking Heads or for BNL. Um, but yeah, so I, it's a very it's an interesting song. This one had me banging my head, probably just like just like you, Heidi, because after last week, I was hoping for something a little more a little more <laughs> easy to break down. Because I was like, oh, it's only a few chords. That's why I said earlier, I'm like, you know, theoretically, it's a simple song, <laughs> but like, it's it's deceptive, you know. Um, no, interestingly enough, though, I did catch a live, per- not not catch, but I, I saw a video of a live performance of this with Ed and a bunch of other people. Oh, it was Guster. Did, Ship- was it the Guster one? The guys um, from Guster? Maybe it was the ships and the ships and. Dip- oh no, this was a different one. Music they panel? were playing the Eco Fair in the one that I saw. Oh. But he actually, Ed actually is talking to the other people because I think they did it impromptu. He's like, just follow me. It's in A minor. And they played it in A minor. So I'm like, why couldn't you have done that in the recording? <laughs> Although even then, again, I think calling it A minor is just kind of an approximation because there's, it's either A minor with borrowed chords or maybe it's like Elidian with borrowed chords. Uh, either way, it's not completely diatonic to anything, which is... Uh, an interesting, you know, that, that's why it kind of sounds a little different than most other songs out there. There's not a lot of songs that sound quite like Psycho Killer. You know? Well, and to, to really kind of make it even more confusing, um, the reason that they picked, th- well, one of a couple different reasons, I'll go into the to this one right now, that they picked this song is... Because this was one of the few songs that both Ed and Steve knew. So this was the, when they mm, did that the makes live they concert. Like, we need to put together were, a set. Yeah. When they put together a set and they had no songs of their own to sing and they had to get up on stage, this is one of the songs that they did on that first concert. That being said, as you guys sit here and talk about the key changes and everything, I'm like, well, then if how did they know it if they didn't know it <laughs> like they well, were doing a key well change. so so the thing is I, it's interesting because i had this conversation with Toos recently when we were talking about um he wanted me to like transcribe a part for him and i was like i'll be honest my 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 
my ability to read and write music like on staff paper is not great for someone who went to school for music. Um, I can do it, you know, but it might just take me a while. Um, I'm not very good at sight reading. That was my least favorite class, sight reading. And I've always done things by ear. So, and a lot of bands will do that too. And Radiohead <laughs> has talked about this. The Beatles talked about doing this. And if you watch Get Back, you can hear them just singing mm-hmm. parts to each other. They don't say play E flat, play A. They're just like, bah, 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 right? So we did the same thing, which made me laugh when I was watching that documentary. So I was like, okay, I don't feel so bad now that I know the Beatles did the same thing. <laughs> um, so like you can know the guitar really well and just know what things sound like. Yeah. And you can probably also know you're playing an E or whatever. But you don't have to know that you're playing an E Lydian. You don't have to know that you're playing an A minor. You just know the, the chords sound good. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I know what sounds good. And that's why it's always kind of, it's kind of like analyzing poetry when you're in high school. Maybe water is just water. And it's not about birth or, <laughs> you know, purity or all the things. Um, maybe uh, they weren't thinking about oh, this progresses to this. Like all of the rules we teach in theory one and two, and then we start to break in three, and then we destroy in theory four. Exactly. Thanks for those of you that music listeners in the audience, you know you're nodding on your head right now going, oh yeah, that's right. We learn all the rules just to just, just to. So you can break them. And because <laughs> then you start learning about 12 tone and atonal and like. Oh yeah. But sometimes bands okay one four five one okay i i just like what this sounds like so i'm gonna discord and ooh, i'm gonna go here because i like what it sounds like um or i've written the melody and it doesn't really fit in any traditional progression when once you start to put the chords underneath it and figure out you know how you're going to surround the melody and it just sounds good so i'm just gonna do this yeah, in fact, that's and how people actually Which is why they probably mode. came up with the uh, the album later, Stop Making Sense, because they didn't yeah, make it I was, was going to reference that. Nicely done. But yeah, I think that's how a lot of people end up in <laughs> modes, because they'll be like playing in minor, and then they'll, they'll say, well, I don't really like... If that if that one chord was major, this would sound so much better. And they just they didn't realize it, but now they're in Dorian or whatever. Right, you know? So right. it's like... I would bet most of the time, especially in rock music and with musicians that aren't like trained, classically trained musicians, they're just going, hey, that sounds good. Um, yeah. It's not major. So let's just call it a mode. Yeah. It be a mode. <laughs> yeah. And you do end up with songs that are not quite, they're like kind of in a half mode, like halfway between, you know, like Aeolian or in some other mode or something like that. So, I mean, I think it's very interesting because it does make songs that sound quite unique. And it's always like there. So I, is it, um, is it melodic minor that changes in, when it's being, whether it's being played up yes. or down, ascending melodic or descending? raises yeah, so. the sixth and seventh of the way up and then realizes right. it back to normal on the way down. Yes. So like, I'm, I've always, I, I love that when I'm like kind of like pleasantly surprised by something because you're expecting a major chord and it ends up being minor or vice versa. You know, it's very, it can be very, very pretty. It can be, have a really wonderful effect. Or like a Picardy third. I go crazy for a good Picardy third. Precisely. Love Picardy third. For those of you that don't know, a Picardy third. (laughs) (laughs) It's good times. It's when you change from a minor Um, to a major at the the end of the cadence. Correct. Thank you. Um, the other reason this song is really important is 
There were two songs that brought BNL together, that brought Ed and Steve together. We'll cover the other one in a few weeks. Actually, literally a few weeks. Um, but for now, this is the song that Ed would go around the Scarborough Music mm. Camp with his best friend Dave. And because his best friend Dave told him about it when he was in 12th grade. Um, they have 13 grades in Canada, by the way. And Steve's ex-wife, Carolyn, used to see Dave and Ed walking around the music camp singing this song most prominently around the, the camp. So, I mean, this really is what started to bring together these two people. And I think it's funny that, th- that this was the song that they knew the words to, <laughs> but, but, but when they record this, you can tell oh, yeah. that oh, yeah, doesn't know all the words. Steve knows the words. Ed doesn't know the words. <laughs> Even later on when they're doing it live, Ed is, Ed is like, I've learned this part. I don't know what these words mean, even though I'm saying them phonetically. It's like I'm I'm singing. I'm like Abba at this point <laughs> and singing phonetically. I have no idea what I'm saying. There is one video that I will actually be putting in the appearances this week where... It's what I think you actually might have seen one of the many of that series, Heidi, where he's up there with Jim and then yeah, Adam yeah. from Guster. Um, and he, when he gets to the to the bridge, <laughs> he starts singing it, and then in between breaths, he would go, "What have I done? <laughs> what what she said on that night?" <laughs> and then he gets to realize Mon Espoir, and he goes, "I have no idea what that is." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I didn't realize that uh, that that they toured with Guster. Have we? I feel like maybe we have. Have we talked about the Meow Mix Guster album on this podcast before? Mm-mm. Oh my god! Did you guys know about Meow Mix? I, I, I can't remember the name of this. the album. Um, my sister has it. Uh, so one of the Guster albums. Um, this was in the day, the heady days where internet piracy was a hot button issue. Yeah, because I used to, I, and, I love Guster. Like, I have a lot of their older stuff, but I don't remember. Okay, so right before the release of this album, they had the, the recording engineer sing all of the vocal parts. They basically released a version, they stripped out the vocals, and they had the recording engineer just sing the song, but only use the word meow. And they released oh gosh, it intentionally on the internet to confuse people and to spread the not real album. So people would end up with a meow mix and then they go and buy the actual album. Oh but people actually liked it so much gosh. that they, they I believe, uh, as part of like an iTunes package, you can get the album. You can still get the meow mix along with the actual album. So run out and get that if you're a Guster fan and or a fan of Meow. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, it was Amsterdam. Okay. Yep. Oh, they yeah. did that for Amsterdam. I, I love that. So album. there's a meow mix of Amsterdam. I guess there is. 
You can probably find it online. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. There's a whole album of um, ca- uh, meow songs <laughs> for on Guster every song. They've done yeah. everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and as we speak of the alternative w- words, did you guys catch the alternative verse of the second verse for Psycho Killer when they do it live? I don't think I did. I don't think I did. Um, it would be on both their live one and this is this is the, the band Talking is heads. called Talking Heads. <laughs> the name of this remember. band is Talking yeah. Heads. Uh, the name of this <laughs> band is the Talking Heads. Um, so when they get to the second verse... The, the words change. It's, I passed out hours ago. I'm sadder than you'll ever know. I close my eyes on this sunny day. Say something once, why say it again? I like the changed original. I mean, I like the, the, the recorded version. I don't like the live, live lyrics as much, personally. Yeah, I mean, I'm just so used to the, the OG studio release. Yeah, me too. But, you know. I definitely like, and also, did you listen, Aaron, to the name the the name of this band as the Talking Heads version of this song? Um, I have at some point because I actually owned that album on compact disc when I was in college. Uh, so I don't know. I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a quick screen share because I love the way that they end this. The way they end this song in doing so is amazing. So I'm going to pull up that version. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's that's great. I absolutely love it because you feel like this person is slowly delving into yeah. madness. Yeah, it's like which... going off the rails. You know, it reminds me actually a lot of like early Sid Barrett era Pink oh, Floyd. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to a great conversation about what this song actually is about, because there's a lot of people that don't correctly understand what this song is about and i think that we should we should correct clearly, that and then we should discuss bnl's version. clearly about the carter administration oh it, it, it's <laughs> clearly about world peace um, um like well people for some reason and well okay it makes sense why they make this leap but people are 
people say that this song is about Son oh, of Oh, see, I don't get that at all. I get yeah, the I get the connection to the original Psycho, the yeah. sixty Norman Bates Psycho, but I never made the leap of son, to some Son of Sam. I think that's just because that was the time, you know. That yeah, was the that big could be too. Yeah, right. It was released at the time when Son that of Sam sense. was actually occurring, and so people made that connection. But once again, it was written in 1974 before Son of Sam even. Yeah, so it's not possible, despite conceived. the fact that it did kind of sound like he was making dog noises, Wait, which is ironic. David Berkowitz. David. Ber- David Burnkowitz. Coincidence? <laughs> Look, I'm not saying David Byrne is the son of Sam. I'm just saying I've never seen them in the same place at the same time. I, mm, we could be onto something here. <laughs> but also, if you have not seen the documentary on Netflix of oh, Sons have, yeah. of Sam, I highly so, recommend it. I it not. is amazing. Um, and the fact that we may have the wrong person in jail oh, wow. is absolutely wow. astounding. Um, but my, my initial go to, well, let's talk a little bit about the, about the song and, and the points of the song. And then I would like to say who I think this is really about. Please, by all means. Um, so I will say that in the liner notes for once in a lifetime, <laughs> uh, David Byrne did come out and say, when I was when I started writing this and I got help later, I imagined Alice Cooper doing a Randy Newman type <laughs> ballad. Both, <laughs> wow. both the Joker and Hannibal Lecter were much more fascinating than the good guys. Everyone sort of roots for the bad guys. And even more so now we're in the era of the uh, antihero. So that's again, Heidi ahead of his time. I know. <laughs> I want I want David Burns's reactions to the movie the jo- to Joker. I just I, I would be curious to, to hear that. his thoughts. Definitely. Um, it's just interesting. Like that was where where he was kind of going with this. Was this kind of he? It was a serial killer, um, but he actually started off writing this song as a semi narrative of a serial killer killer in the midst of committing the murders. Oh wow. And I think, like, some of the, the well, and it, there is a, um, some thoughts from Tina Weymouth, who basically said she drew inspiration from Norman Bates's character. And the verse, you start oh. a conversation, you can't even finish it, you're talking a lot, but you're not saying anything. When I have my lips are sealed, say mm. something once, why say it again? Which is interesting, because I've studied psycho so deeply so in depth because i teach it as part of my film music class but through the um the psychological insight piece of bernie herman's score and norman bates as a character and who he is a person Mm -hmm. and how childlike he is and he is a child in so many ways he eats candy all the time he's always he can't find his words he um you know like there's so many elements and then watching Bates Motel brings it to the next level for me. Um, but very interesting because it does really connect. Um, and in the French section, which roughly translate what I did la- that night, what she said that night, realizing my hopes, which is interesting because the night that he sits with Marion in the back parlor room 
And she suggests he put her mother in a in an institution. And that's where he starts to spiral and gets. And so what I did that night, what she said that night. So and then he starts to realize his possible future without his mother if he puts her in a home. But then he can't because is his mother like spoiler alert so there's so many things in there that that french section really brings out that i really think that tina Mm -hmm. nailed so so interesting yeah Mm -hmm. i now this and so the direct translation is what what i have done on that Mm. night or what i did on well and son of sam didn't just kill women so and this is what she said that night which kind of translates to me that it's a serial killer or a, a psycho killer rather um, against a, a woman and a psycho killer is not a serial yeah. killer. So this could be a, you know, like, well, Norman Bates was a serial killer, but. Well, back, back then the term, because psychology was so um, different than it is today. We'll put a different, say it different. Um, but it it was very amateur back in in the seventies. I mean, it was coming along, but it is nowhere near what it is as we know it today. Um, so people's use of phraseology was not accurate at that time. Um, so people would have messed up the words serial oh, yeah. killer and psycho killer quite quite a bit. Um. Or, you know, the, the word psych, psycho was uh, <laughs> not exactly the most nice remark. It was a very disparaging oh. remark at that time. Um, but, you know, it, it was going along with the neurotic, uh, <laughs> neurotic and psychotic features. Um, but I'm but going again, down psycho anyway. killer, <laughs> but psycho there... film, psycho 1960. <laughs> I mean, okay. th- for kids in, or if you're yeah. writing this but in we college really... in the 70s, in 73, then you would have been a kid that would have just been about that age to be exposed to that film in 1960. Very true. So Very it true. really kind of it you think about the films that severely impact you as a youth and when those come out um, and how they stick with you over time. And that would be a film that it broke so many barriers and changed mm-hmm. horror, the horror genre. In- oh, definitely. And mm-hmm. like there was. Oh, the horror the being psychological from a monster to now yeah. human being. Yeah. Becoming oh, it, it a part of it. Incredible. So- yeah, really interesting. So two, two things. I've been dying. We've been making all these references, so I got to take a chance to jump. So this song is decidedly not about the son of Sam. My oh. One of my very favorite composers uh, and songwriters of all time, Elliot Smith, has a song called Son of Sam, which is also Ooh, not about yeah. Son of Sam. <laughs> not really. Like <laughs> Apparently it was based on like a dream he had with many different like figures and, and concepts and things in it when one of them was son of sam but it's not really like a song about son of sam um but so we were talking about the movie psycho um this movie came out nearly a decade later i think um have either of you seen henry portrait of a serial killer no very mm-hmm. intense know that going in even now uh 
at the time it was i believe it was rated x by the mpaa just purely because of the violence and it was also one of the very first films i believe to be kind of like more or less to make the serial killer the point of view character the uh protagonist in a sense not the hero certainly but um it kind of reminds me of like later on um when tarantino and um rodriguez did um or was it Oliver Stone? Who did uh, Natural Born Killers? Oh, um, yeah. I, I think, think it was, was Oliver Stone. Was that Stone? I think it Yeah, I think that was Stone. But Tarantino, didn't he write the script? I think yeah. you're right. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it kind of was like that. But it, imagine that, but like 10 years, like a decade earlier, and and, and moral outrage and, and everything. But it's actually, I mean, it's a very good film. It's, it can be a hard watch at times. But Michael Rooker, who is a very underrated actor, in my opinion, puts in an amazing performance. So you're very young Michael Rooker in that film. Um, so when I hear no, Psycho it, Killer, I actually think of that. The Natural Born Killers was, uh, the story was by Tarantino, but it was directed by Stone. Interesting. I didn't Stone, realize yeah. the screenplay was Tarantino. Yeah, I remember Tarantino was involved, but I, I knew he didn't direct. Well, and you also yeah, think of like involved. American Psycho, too. Like, oh, what a great oh, classic film that is. Oh, my I mean, God. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because you would think, in the film adaptation of American Psycho, they would have put Psycho Killer in, but I think it was actually much better that that uh, uh, Bateman, Patrick Bateman, was into the very like he was like oh you know like he was very much into like Huey Lewis in the news and like he was into like Susudio by Phil Collins. It was just much more like appropriate somehow with the the dichotomy and his wanting to present a face of oh I'm into this happy you know. Uh, uh, culturally acceptable pop <laughs> you know so it's just it's just great but i love that flick that's a great flick that's a good flick again disturbing as hell um mm-hmm. so and so I, what i like about this song though is with david burns choices most people most people's assumptions of what serial killers at that time were and and this is the t- period of time in in national as well as i mean international as well as u.s history that people were just starting to understand that serial killers were a thing that they existed and his understanding of this like he he paints the serial killer in this story as a human being as someone who's highly intelligent but at the same time does not and, and very suave but does not see himself as as ruthless as someone that is horrible. Um, but then when you get to the, you know, you get to why he wants to have, you know, where his desires to kill come from is, you know, he, the fact that others can't, can't stop talking and can't, they're, they're not carefully picking their words and they're not being succinct and they're not polite. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the, the the one of the things that I found interesting is when you translate, there are different translations of what that French bridge means, but one of them is much more that if you take the words less directly as a literal translation and do more of a, well, if you went to France, how would, what would this mean in the, the sociological aspect? It's not so much what I have done, but it was such a hellish thing I did that night. 
And the last statement is just like, I'm going for glory. But really, when you translate it into the vernacular version of like the the Parisian version is headlong, I am going into glory. Like it is not just a, you know, I am being thrust into glory at this point. Um, so, it, you know, you, as you read that, that bridge, it becomes a very psychotic thing of such a hellish thing I did on that mm-hmm. night. What she said on that night, fulfilling my hope headlong, I go into glory. Like, yeah, that's a pretty psychotic way of looking at this. It thing reminds that he me did. not to make one one last deep cut. I promise. Um, Stephen King wrote a book in his very younger years as Richard Bachman called Rage, which oh, has yeah. been extremely controversial and was actually pulled from publication by King voluntarily mm-hmm. after the all the school shootings that happened because it essentially describes a school shooting in a situation where one of the students takes a class hostage, kills a couple teachers. It's extremely tense. It's actually a very interesting read, um, but I totally understand mm-hmm. why King said, you know what, just let let it expire and, and, and don't print it anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, this this goes into so many rabbit holes as to like, I, I think not to, not to go down this particular juncture really, but just to address it. I, I think anytime you have popular media, you mentioned Joker earlier, Tracy, the film, and, and that that was, again, this is like a perennial discussion that people have. And it, I, I think the problem is that some people seem to equate any portrayal in media as endorsement. Right. You know, if you make a, a, a character the protagonist of a, a, a book or a film, therefore you're saying this is aspirational, you should be like this person. I disagree with that fundamentally. However... I also know there are people in our world who don't process things the same way that I do. So the odds are there probably is someone out there who will see that and take that away from it, even though it's very clearly not the message. I just don't think that we should censor ideas and and stories and people just because of that. But I I also understand the older I get, the more I, I understand, like, wow, there are people out there who could definitely take the wrong message away from this so it's a real sensitive right topic but at the same time it it puts a highlight on some important things that wouldn't right. be seen and understood otherwise and you know you know i what comes to mind for me is the the book 13 oh, reasons right. why um yeah. which is extremely yeah. controversial yeah, oh, yeah. And I had immediate reactions right, to it, hearing what it was and working in a high school at the time. Then I read yeah. it. And I was like, okay, this isn't encouraging it. It is taking it from a point of view of one person, this fictitious character who did this. And while it is saying, like, I have my reasons, here are my reasons, it's your fault, at the same time, that is that fr- person's frame of mind. And it helps you, from a psychological point of view, understand that person's point of view in that frame of mind. So you can come at it from a more empathetic point of view of like, okay, now that I understand where you're coming from, maybe I can help other people right. not have that frame of mind in the right. future. I don't think sticking our heads um, in the sand is the solution. Not to get too heavy on you. <laughs> um, FBI, we know you listen. <laughs> I did, I did imply that I... <laughs> <laughs> I did have I did imply that I I have a guess as to who it is. 
I don't have a guess. Um, but I think that when we look at, at serial killers, there are various, n- many different types of personalities that it doesn't just fit one specific personality. Right. You look at, at Gacy, you look at Bundy, you look at Son of Sam, and their personalities are completely and utterly dif- different. Char- um, Charlie Manson. I, do, I think that this is a good look at what one serial killer might look right. like. Now, if if I were going to say that there was a, a character that was later written based on this song, the one that I would most guess would be... I, I don't know if you guys have seen the TV show You on Netflix. Yes. I yes, very much. I've watched, I've watched the first season totally, and I started the second season, but... I and the this, first two this point of view, this point of view, this psychological profile really kind of fits that person where he, he thinks that he is right in what he's doing and that he's not a, a serial right. killer, but at the same time, he's very he much is, a serial killer. Absolutely. But, and it, but he's, and that's an interesting situation. Like Aaron was mentioning earlier, the pro he's the protagonist and like sometimes you're like, oh well, he's not that bad. Like you don't want him to get caught. Like Dexter, I never wanted Dexter to get <laughs> great caught example. Yeah, be- mm-hmm. but he was a serial killer. Like, and but but then at first you're like, but he only takes care of bad people. Whereas in you, he stalks a woman, and like. And then the pattern continues, like, and it's so disturbing. And he's awful. He's an awful being. Mm -hmm. But yet you're like, should I be rooting for him because he's the main character? And Dexter, you love Dexter. Like, loved him Mm -hmm. as a character and as a person. You're like, well, he's getting rid of bad people. But he is a bad person. And then he starts to, like, break the code. Right. Yeah. And I just watched the new series, the limited, the because the, there is never going to be one again, obviously, because there can't. Um, but the 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 reboot one season series, um, and it's still you're like, but it's still bad. It you're still bad. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to not cheer for him, but at the same time, hard to cheer for him, and. You feel right. dirty. You're like watching it. So it's kind of like I I teach a course, um, a music appreciation course for students that are not music majors. Um, they just need one of those those fill in credits. And the way I teach it is not old dead white guys. I teach it through the perspective of American history. So we we've spent the last several weeks doing a, a full ballad unit of of folk ballads, uh, corridos. Um, uh, bad man ballads, which actually are like badass man ballads, um, and like all of these traditional ballads. And corridos are from the southwest area, uh, especially the late 1800s, early 1900s, and they're Robin Hood tales of real Mexican border heroes to the Mexican people who killed 
like um, Texas Rangers and sheriffs and stuff because they had done bad things to their people. Like one insulted his mother, like, and, but they became heroes to these people, but they did bad things. But then some of them would then rob and give just like Robin Hood, give to the poorer members of their community. So they were celebrated. So these or bad, they did bad things, but then they did good things things so what like that question of if you do good things even though they're a result of a lot of bad things then are you evil or are you good like it's and and maybe it depends on who you're stealing from Mm -hmm. or you know who you're hurting if you're killing bad guys that have done horrible things raped murdered you know killed uh raped murdered um etc then is dexter a bad person because but if he just killed people well and that's the thing with psycho norman big Mar- marion technically stole forty thousand dollars so she's technically a thief and she's in a relationship with a guy who's still you know not he well he's he's single but he's paying alimony and so he's really, but it's in 1960, having a marital relationship was inappropriate. So there's that. So did Norman, like, was, she was in his mind, a bad person because like, so even though he didn't know she stole $40,000, but in our, we know, well, she did a bad thing. So, you know, you reap what you sow kind of thing. So it's a very interesting question. Yeah. Well, I mean, you go back even further. Not down this rabbit and you look hole. At, you look but. at Seymour, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a plant tells you that I <laughs> does it have to be human? Does Ooh. it have to be mine? No, no but no, I mean with no, the dentist. Like, me. in killing the dentist, is, is he... Is in killing Orin, yeah, is he bad... Yeah. That's well, a good so, good question too because he's an abuser and a male like he's horrible yeah. to Audrey and he also needs to feed the plant to keep the relationship with Mushnik and the celebrity going. Ooh, this is sorry. Friends, well, like, we just so, went down forty-seven no, no, radicals. What, what I love about this is it's basically like a weird. Uh, tangent of the trolley problem right yeah because we're starting to get into like how morality or an aesthetic and, and uh is actually kind of aesthetic in nature right Which because is the it's best like, episode of the I'm good place ever it. by the mm-hmm. way yes oh i love that show the I episode show. of the good place where they do the trolley song <laughs> or the trolley song the trolley dilemma is so funny mm-hmm. <laughs> um so and disturbing we haven't we haven't talked yeah, much about so. BNL's version other than the the chords. Um, <laughs> I like how Stephen is singing very nondescript, almost lackadaisical when he's doing his part of the song, um, and it's kind of a very different take on the serial killer's personality of just very kind of like ah, la la. <laughs> oh, that's that was your interpretation that was. of that. That's interesting. I, I thought it was just. Them not taking it very yeah, seriously. Yeah, I thought they were just screwing around. <laughs> like, yeah, they're singing a song, but it's kind of like, oh shit, oh, don't know all the lyrics. The French part that the uh, the verse French part that and Ed is just like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're just having fun with it, but at the same time, Stephen is definitely doing his own take with it, where he's 
he can sing. We all know he can sing. But he's just like very he he's not singing it almost. He's doing spoken word in many ways, um, which is a different take for him to take on it. So and i love the bongos in the background like they're just having fun with the bongos <laughs> yeah they're having fun in general i mean I'll, so i'll be honest it's, while listening to this cover bongos. i kind of bounced back and forth between being annoyed and amused <laughs> <laughs> um part of the annoyance i'm sure came from trying to analyze it and, and pulling my hair out doing that but you know they, they clearly aren't taking it very seriously which is simultaneously irksome because i love talking heads but also endearing as i'm sure uh david Byrne himself would tell us to stop making right. sense right <laughs> so uh but by the way david we know you listen please come on the show um i'm learning I, i'm sorry i'm not learning i'm leaning i'm leaning much more towards endearing than irksome um but with you know, with all the wonderful songs, both covers and originals we've covered over the years uh, already in this in this series, I can't get too excited about this one. You know, which is a shame because I like Talking Heads, and I like Bare Naked Ladies. But I suppose when we combine two things we like, we can't always get peanut butter well, cups. And, and we have to remember, th- yeah, this you're was, right. That's a re- <laughs> this was this was Buck Naked. Like this was literally. Oh, I know. I'm, not, I'm trying not to judge too harshly. Six but months like, of them together, and it was just Stephen Ed. The way I know, but the way that I judge all songs, Tracy, is like if someone says to me, "Hey, put on a bare naked mm-hmm. lady song," am I going to reach for this oh, cover no. of of Psycho Killer, or am I going to put on you know Enid or something like that? So you know. I, you know, again, I'm not you know, I'm, I'm not disparaging them at all, and and I like that they're having fun with it. But it's, it, it kind of reminds me, like my band definitely. Go ahead. I was I, just gonna say, I think though that with like for me, for being a like the covers become the deep dive that you start to do when you start to read yeah. the band. Like, oh yeah, definitely. And granted, definitely. I got into the band in what ninety three, ninety four, and so there they didn't have too many albums out at that point so i had the albums that were out as of that point and then started deep diving into the yellow tape stuff and the buck naked at like so and really that was when um net uh what was what was the old way to get music for illegal oh napster napster and oh yeah deep dives and waiting two hours to get a download of a of a bootleg copy of psycho killer like crazy which i still have over there but like that's you yeah this is when you start getting into those bands you're like oh my gosh it's like the people that have all, every bootleg concert of the grateful dead like well did you hear that version from seattle and you know 78 <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. that one will blow your mind it kind of sounds like the one in rochester and you know 84 like, <laughs> Well, I, I would have loved I, I would love to hear the band play this mm-hmm. live, you know, and I'm sure I would definitely enjoy it. You know, I guess the thing is, like, my band definitely messed around in the in the studio and produced stuff like this. But we just kind of kept it to ourselves. <laughs> and I get that they were. No, I mean, I, I'm not I'm, I'm really not being, trying to be a jerk. And it's like, you know, I, I, I get that they had a very limited 
set list and they were working towards getting something together really quickly. And it's like, oh, we know this song. Let's let's just kind of mess around, put it down. And I like that it's very, you know, it's very much um, the word I'm looking for. It's very unpolished and it's very uh, they're, they're very clearly having fun, which is the thing that saves it for me. It's the thing that I like about it is just hearing them kind of just laughing and just they're, they're taking the piss, as the Brits say. And it's uh, and it's fun. It is fun. I don't hate this. It's kind of amusing. To hear. I mean, it's like it's like listening to the Beatles anthology. Like it really mm. is. You're, yeah. you're you're hearing stuff that is very far back that. Really, they they weren't taking themselves all too seriously at that moment and at that time because they weren't really thinking that they were going to make it big. Um, So they were just kind of going around and like, well, we need to give people something and maybe we can sell a few a few tapes. But at the same time, yeah, they they didn't expect to become big. And when I rate this, obviously, I'm going to be rating it against you know, they're, they're hits. They're big songs that the, what they became. Um, and so it's not going to rank very high, but that being said, I mean, this isn't a message to you, Ruby, um, which was not well done or other covers that they've done. Like I, like I still like it loud and, or I still miss someone with blue eyes. Like it's not that, um, I do miss the fact that there's, you know, this is recognized as probably one of the single most recognized ba- bass lines in rock music, and we don't have a bass in this song. Yeah. I mean... Well, yeah, granted, it was just the two of them. Right, they didn't have a bass. So they <laughs> right. didn't, they just, you know... So when I'm rating it, I am going to be taking that into a, into discussion. So I'm not, I'm not judging anyone... Well, actually, I am, but I'm not judging well, any yeah, of us yeah. on our ratings. the definition of being judgy, but... I'm not judging any of us on our rankings, Um, but you know what? Someone may judge us someday. And so my question to you is that day when you're judged, how many crimes will you be accused of? Oh, oh my. And I'll go first. Um, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing myself as I'm going to get myself into some trouble, but not a lot of trouble. Um, I, I like this song, but it's and it's one of my favorite songs of all time with the original. Um, and and right. if I could morph this into the perfect song, I would take the ending off from the the live album that I talked about earlier, and then put in the uh, bass in that background, the Arco bass. I would love to hear like with those striking notes. That would be like phenomenal. I would listen to that all the time. I love it. Um, but that's not what we have. I still like this song. Berenick gets cover of it. Eh, it's okay. It's fun from a fan point of view to go back and listen. Like you were saying, Heidi, like it's a great deep dive. It's, it's fun to kind of hear and go, Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so for me, I'm going to, I'm going to get accused of 2.75 crimes. 2.75. So I guess I'm crimes. still, I'm still considered to be a serial killer, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like it. On a scale, uh, <laughs> son of Sam, Heidi. Dude. Heidi, how much of a serial serial killer will you be found out to be? I I'm kind of with you on this. Like it's it's. I don't mind when I hear it once in a while, but it's definitely not. I mean, I would go to the original if I was going to go uh, to listen to it at, yeah. at any point. Um, so I would give it. I'm going to give it actually lower than you, actually. I think I'm going to give it a 2.6. 
Okay. 2.6 crimes. Yep. 2.6 crimes. 2.6 crimes. All right, Aaron, well, what about you? I, not to be criminal here, but I think I'm going to go even lower. <laughs> uh, I, I don't hate it. You know, like I mean, everything I said about it, it's fun. If it comes on, you know, if I'm just like, if I tell Spotify to shuffle BNL and it comes on, I'm probably not going to skip it. But it's certainly not something I would seek out. Uh, and if I was jonesing for Psycho Killer, I'm going to go to Talking Heads. <laughs> um, I think I think I'm going to award the Psycho Killer cover 2.1 crimes, which I, I guess... I'm pretentious. I think that I'm funnier than I actually am, and I occasionally jaywalk. <laughs> I guess that's the point one. <laughs> Those are my crimes. Um, well, we don't have Stefan with us tonight, but he did give us his thoughts. Stefan, what do you think? Uh, well, I, I see what they were getting at with Psycho Killer. Um, they slowed it down a bit. They made uh, took ownership of it, and um, they made it their style. And actually, I'm not all too mad about it. It was pretty decent, I thought. Um, I've heard way worse uh, renditions of of better songs. So I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, it, it was definitely a different pace. I'm not mad at it. I thought it was pretty good. So, I mean, they slowed it down. They, they changed how they sung things. I thought it was decent. Yeah. It was written by somebody else, but they did revamp it to meet their own needs. So I would say, um, I would say 3.5. Stefan Stefan will be visiting you in jail. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We're he's, he's just visiting. We all landed. uh, We said, go directly to jail. Do not collect $200. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm adding the extra crime on for last week because he gave it a 2.6 for last week for, for powder blue. So I'm like that, that's a crime. Mm. That right there is a Ouch, that yeah. is a crime. So, Stefan, you, you've already been accused and found guilty of giving that a horrible rating. You've been weighed, you've been measured, and you've been found wanting. <laughs> Order in the court. You know what? He didn't think that last week's song was, was of very much quality. I can't even fathom oh, that but <laughs> i can't but we'll have to we'll have to see if next week you guys think of that song as quality because we'll be discussing the song quality oh, oh. i see what you did there nicely done thank you nicely done nice segue and thank you guys for joining me thank you for having oh, it's me always a pleasure yeah always a pleasure always a pleasure Mm-hmm, yes. Senator, Senator. Senator, Senator. Doctor, Doctor. Doctor, Doctor. <laughs> Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe.